you're listening to This Foul Earth. Well, uh, I've been retired about, uh, about 20 years now. I was on the bin lorries until uh, until 2002. Now some people look down their noses at a job like that. But I enjoyed every minute of it, I did. I was sad to say goodbye to the boys, but um, I still said hello some mornings on the doorstep, you know. Not now, of course, you know, all my mates are retired now. It's a young man's game, the, the lorries were. Young man's game. But anyway, um, yeah, before that, I was uh, I was probably one of Wales's most famous entertainers for about uh, for about ten years, which is uh, I suppose that's why you've come to see me, is it? Seventy, I got started. Nineteen seventy, uh, started as a lounge singer, and that used to be something you could earn a living off. And I think you, you tell the youngsters about that today, that astounds them. You know, you know, I see them on the X Factor and all that. You know, they're queuing up, and they've got their hair all spiked up, they've got their asses hanging up their jeans and what have you. And it's a shame because however many youngsters you see there, they released that many working men's clubs and needed a week's worth of entertainment. Open, middle, and close. You know, you get some pomade on. You get a sky blue tuxedo at the catalogue. You're halfway there, or you was then. You know, not now. But that's what I did. You know, used to do it in the working men's clubs. It was all the uh, old covers and that. You know, popular to the day. A couple of the classics for the older crowd. You know, the uh, what was it? The uh, golden oldies we used to call them. Because we're where the where the bloody uh, where the um, what was it? Where the golden oldies now? <laughs> But anyway, um, I wasn't the best today. I gotta be honest, I wasn't the best today. I used to, um, I used to sweat a lot, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't nerves. It was just I was, uh, I was a very sweaty person, you know. And I used to have, uh, I used to have very poor volume control. Before I went um, full time with the clubs, I went on the roads, tarmacking, and I'd be on the jackhammer half the day. So by the end of the night, I couldn't hear. You know, my old man used to say I could have. Um, I could have slept through an Albanian disco. So half the time, the microphone was a prop, didn't need it. And that was in front of the full band in some places, you know. Six nights a week, on a Sunday afternoon with the Bruce, every other week. By the end of a run, my vocal cords, they was, I'm, I'm not trying to be crude here, they was fatter than a Dutchman's fingers, right? I was screaming myself, I was just hearing myself. I was so red in the face one night, the compare, he put a bucket out, he thought I was going to be sick. Well, this would have been about uh, 1972 now. I was doing the opening act for Ronnie Roman. <laughs> and he was a character. He had uh, he had uh, two gold teeth and one gold hand. Right? Well, I was halfway through Sweet Caroline, and this was a particularly bad night. I've been jackhammering an underpass, right? And they didn't have ear defenders in those days. Or d- oh. uh, no, I don't know. They did have them. It's just we didn't use them. Honestly, the noise, it was bouncing off the walls, right? I was so deaf when I got to the ambassador, they had to write on a piece of paper if they wanted to tell me stuff. So I was halfway through Sweet Caroline, right? I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And there's this table of old deers on the front row. And I can tell they're not enjoying it, you know? So one of these old deers, right? She's rolled up her newspaper. She got up on the stage. She starts whacking me around the head with her. 
and all girls who was bald as brass in those days, mind. Half of them, they were just there for the meat raffle, right? And that's another thing, right, that goes right over the young ones' heads and all. You'd have opening act, usually a comedian in the middle, and then you'd have the meat raffle, right? And then your big name at the end, he'd come out, he'd give the winner a crate of meat, and then he'd get into his act, you know? There's various cuts from the butchers, the wooden stretching of the day in the window. And it wasn't chilled, right? And if you stayed for the closing act, that meat, it'd be sweating worse than I was by the end of the night. But it always went down a treat and it doesn't kill you, does it? Or at least it didn't then. I'm not sure about now. Sick as a dog, perhaps, but it wouldn't kill you. So it's all birds on the stage now, and she's giving me a right going with this newspaper. And the golden rule of showbiz in those days don't sell the marks. You don't that off for me to mind in the wrestling game. If the crowd starts giving you hiding, you don't show you're bothered. I had people up there strangling me, kicking me up the arse, you never show it hurts, you never show it winds you up. Right? You just sing through it. I had to do an Eddie Cochran medley one night with somebody's fist in my mouth. But that was just the way it was, you know? So I carried on. She's really giving me a going with this newspaper now, right? She's rolled it up. And after a few whacks, she starts stabbing into my ribs. And as I said, I don't carry a tune the best anyway, so at this point, I was just sort of screaming in agony, but with a sort of sing-songy cadence to it, you know? After about two minutes of this, well, I don't know what came over me, I snatched it off her, and I said, here's some news for you. And that's still the cleverest thing I ever said, you know? And I ate it in one go, in front of her. It took about uh, six minutes. Papers were thicker then, even the, even the tabloids were, you know? I didn't break eye contact, I thought this has got to stop, otherwise I'm never going to work here again. You know? You show any weakness in front of a club crowd, that was it. You were hardly entertaining, but it was mainly crowd control in those days. But by the time I'd done sport and I'd finished the paper, I got a round of applause. And Ronnie, the owner, he said afterwards, he said, where'd you learn to do that? And I said, I didn't, I just did it. He goes, well, that was fantastic. He goes, what an act. You come back next week with your mum, you thought it was all part of the show. It was only later on when she complained to him, said, I want my 12p or singers at my paper, I think that he realised it was for real. But he did have me back, though. But anyway, within six months, I was up there, no singing, none of the pomp. I was just eating a newspaper twice a night with no music. Sometimes I'd get a drum roll, but a lot of the time it was just silence. And, you know, until the last scrap of paper got eaten. And then, well, I was still going home deaf, but it was the crowd this time, you know? <laughs> I was never sure if it was doing me any harm. But I thought, you know, when you only get a chippy and you get it home, sometimes there's a bit of paper stuck to the chip, in there, And you eat it, don't you? It doesn't do any harm. And the chips are what's bad for you, so just newspaper on its own, no chip, was probably fine. And I'm E.T. next year now. Right. So if it was going to be a problem, it would it would have been by now, surely. And nobody believed in the sticking power. Excuse me. Nobody believed in the sticking power of that act less than I did. After a couple of months, I, I tried working a song or two back into it, you know. But you should have heard the booing. So I'd reach into my jacket, and I would just pull out the newspaper. I'd just tease the newspaper. And he turned on a threepence, the roof would blow, cheering like you've never heard. And they never got tired of it, no matter how many papers I ate, they were always keen to see more. Well, honestly, now, I wasn't prepared for how big it would get. Everywhere I went, people would stop me in the street. They'd ask me to sign their newspapers, 
and I'd do it, and then they'd say, uh, now eat it. And I had a little joke for that. I would say, um, God, what was it? Oh, I would say, uh, are you sure? Because uh, you're not going to want it back. <laughs> Always got a nice little laugh. Did my brother come up with that? I'm not good with all that, you know, clever wordplay and all that, like I said. And, you know, I, I'd eat a page or two, you know. You don't buy the milk if you can have the cow or something in it. And I gave it. I gave a talk in the primary school down the road from you about uh, getting work in showbiz. But uh, they only wanted to. Well, you, I'm sure you can imagine what they wanted to see. But honestly, it was like being a rock star. You know, I was doing television adverts for the Western Mail, and the paper. So in this in this advert now, the paper boy, he would put the paper through my door, and I'd be waiting on the other side, right? And I'd eat it as soon as it came through the slot, and it would say Western Mail, get it down your neck. They pulled that in the end because it was uh, copycats, you know, a few lads got sick. But for a couple of years there, I couldn't go anywhere in Wales. I was on the news, I did the talk shows, I did the Royal Variety performance in 1982. You know, I met the Queen afterwards, and no word of a lie, she went in her handbag and she brought out this dead fancy paper, like a little square. She gives it to me, right? Then one of her handlers goes in my ear and she says, uh, she wants you to eat it, Mr. Collins. So I did, you know, and I have to say, easily the nicest paper I've ever read. But she's got the money, and she, you know. Oh, and the next year then, 1983, this would have been now. Wales, Wales had lost to France. That was it. Wales had lost to France in the Five Nations, as it was then. So the next game, they had me come out on the pitch now at a national stadium, and I ate a copy of Le Monde, which was the uh, the French newspaper. And they won then, I think that was Ireland, the next game. But being on the pitch then, you know, all those people cheering, that was a peak for me. I remember that until the day I die. But the sad thing is, over there around then, that's when the uh, club scene was probably on its deathbed. Everything changed in the eighties. Obviously, you know the world of the world of work changed, especially in Wales. You know, we had the pet closures and what have you. I also think um, I think variety changed. And if you know, if I'm being brutally honest, right, I was as much to blame for that as anybody. You know, I heard some whispers from some other singers that I'd lowered their tone and all that. You know, and at the time I thought that's just jealousy, innit? Because you know, not not so long ago, they were the closing act. You know, and now I'm the one handing up the crate of meat. But looking back, I don't think I was fully to blame. But for a while there, the promoters they were booking absolutely anything, trying to find the next big thing. Because I, I was doing two shows a night around the country. One night I'd be in London, no next night I'd be in Wrexham, right? And that meant that some of the clubs would have weeks to fill between dates with me, right? And I don't blame them. But some of the clubs, you know, it used to be, you know, a singer, comedian, a singer. And now, it was somebody who could identify a dog by the smell of it. And then it was somebody who could eat a dinner plate, but it took 40 minutes. And then some, and then the last act of the night, it'd be somebody doing that thing. You know, you balance a long stick on the end of your finger. And you could sort of move around with it. So, you know, best to do it with like, like a broom or something. You just balance that on the end of your finger, you know. And it was variety, I suppose, in that it was all different, but I don't know. I, I think people just got tired of it, you know. One fella's act was just having a big foot. 
And I mean, that's fine for the pub, you know. But these are working people, you know. They've they got it. You know, they want something more than just foot, you know. And I hold my hand up to that. Well, I packed it in in uh, 1985, and I took a job on the bins. I could have gone another year or two, I think, but um, it was for my missus as much as anything, you know, and the girls were young, you know, I wanted to be close as a woman. I went to the interview down the council for the for the bin job, and they didn't believe me. They thought it was one of those, um, they thought it was like a hidden camera show. You know, they were running around, they were hiding important papers. So I don't know what they thought I was going to do, you know. I had to tell them, I said, that's all behind me now, you know, and I did 17 years with them. And honestly, those were those were the happiest years of my life. You know, I got recognised once or twice, but it's early mornings, isn't it? You know, most people was asleep. I only did it one time after that. Um, I did my mate's daughter's birthday party because he begged me, basically. He booked a puppet show and they let him down. Um, and they were stuck, you know. And I, I did it. And you know what? A few of the parents, they remembered it, and they loved it, but the kids weren't asked, weren't asked at all. They had a whole paper and part of a phone book, and they went, you know, so what? And in a way, I was happy with that, because you always want better for your kids than what you had, don't you? I was glad that, you know, obviously, they had better entertainment than what we was used to back in the day. I even asked one of them, I said, have you ever been to a meat raffle, son? And he went, what's a meat raffle? And I was relieved. Honestly, I was. I was relieved. Because things have got to move on, haven't they?